We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran. All right, what is going on, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to another episode of Talking Buffalo, your weekday daily driver for Buffalo sports talk and more. I'm your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you. Very, very much as always for locking in, whether you're watching this on the video side on YouTube, which if you are, please make sure that you like, subscribe to this podcast, helps with the YouTube algorithm. It's so funny how that thing works, but it helps us grow the show on the video side. And of course, for the vast majority of you people, uh, thank you very much for listening, wherever you get your podcast from, Spotify, Apple, wherever it may be. Again, I appreciate you very much. Happy Friday. Recording this on a Thursday, but dropping this on a Friday, a Friday headed into the weekend, a weekend where the Buffalo Bills do not play, which of course, the way things have been going for a lot of the season, maybe that's a good thing. You know, maybe this is a a good weekend to to catch up on some Christmas music, some Christmas shopping, some Christmas movies, Christmas TV shows. Basically, get your asses out. And enjoy, or stay home and enjoy some Christmas this weekend and don't stress out over uh, the Buffalo Bills and the NFL. Anyway, today we're going to do a um, Fan Friday. And what I mean by that is this. So a lot of uh, Friday episodes, which are usually taped Thursday night live from Imperial Pizza, I'll have a guest on and we'll drop that episode on Friday. Don't have one this week. Don't have any guests this week. Quite frankly, don't have any singular talking points that I really wanted to hit on this week. So I'm doing what I'm going to call Fan Friday. We'll have these from time to time. Basically, I put a tweet out there, put something up on our Facebook page, and just ask fans to submit some questions or, or comments, and I would read some of them on the air. And that would be the extent of today's podcast. In the podcasting industry, we like to call this a filler episode. <laughs> Anyway, got some pretty good ones. Not a ton, but some that might require uh, so, some deeper thought than others. Before I get into today, too, and by the way, when I tell you that I am very loosely prepared for this, I am not exaggeration. No exaggerating, I should say. I spent a good chunk of my Thursday afternoon stuck at Pet Boys waiting three hours 
to put out four new tires, which probably took them maybe 15 minutes tops to do really uh, annoying. But anyway, that's what I decided not uh, being able to reach out to get a guest for the show that I would just turn it over uh, to fans and see what you guys have to uh, have to say. Before diving into this too, I want one quick reminder. Yesterday's show, which dropped on Thursday, if you haven't listened to that or watched that yet, I'd really like for you, you know, if you watch this show, if you enjoy the show, if you support this show, to go back and either listen to it on audio or, or watch it on the YouTube channel, Talking Buffalo Podcast uh, YouTube channel. I had a, a gentleman on named Sean Mullen, and Sean is the director for a documentary film that's currently on Netflix called It Ain't Over, which is a uh, story about Yogi Bear. And I don't care if you're a Yankees fan. I don't even care if you're a baseball fan. This was just a a documentary that really it, it symbolizes what the American dream is all about. Kind of an underdog growing up, just the ultimate American dream. Yogi Berra is one of the biggest winners in the history of baseball. He's one of the best baseball players in the history of baseball. And this this film that Sean did such an amazing job putting together and directing, like I said, there's plenty of baseball. It's about his career, but a lot of it is about his family, about his place in baseball history, and how because of his colorful personality and the yogiisms, that too many people haven't taken him serious enough as a baseball player. Really good stuff, man. And I mean really good stuff. An amazing cast. So many great talking heads in this. Go watch it on Netflix. And if you could do me the honor of going to listen to this interview, I really enjoyed it. It's one of my favorites. And you know, I always say at the beginning of these shows, your weekday daily driver for Buffalo Sports Talk and more. And once in a while, the episodes actually are one of those and more episodes. That was one yesterday. Don't do them often, but I really enjoy and relish getting an opportunity to talk to people beyond just uh, Buffalo sports. You know, I've had a couple contestants on from like American Idol before, uh, from The Voice. And I don't know, I just, I, I get really fascinated with their stories. You know, I'm so used to talking to people in sports and news media and course athletes and they're always entertaining and informative and fun to do don't get me wrong but going into another world like i had never in my life before yesterday's episode ever in fact i was quite nervous going into the interview i had never spoken to a film director before much less actually interviewed him and we went for a good 35 to 40 minutes so i was nervous wasn't quite sure how to approach it what kind of style i would want to have with him but the the conversation couldn't have went better, man. Sean is an, an awesome guy, an awesome director. By the way, that film, that documentary film, there's already a pretty strong Oscar buzz going on about that. In fact, he told me near the end of the episode in December, he's going to be with Billy Crystal at a theater in New York City, and they're doing a screening and a Q&A. And in part, that's for some of the people. And I don't know how the Oscars work, but I do know that this has to do with people who are you know, evaluating these films for our Oscar nominations. But anyway, make sure you go check that out. That was a, it was a really fun episode for me to do. And again, Yankees fan or not, I, I think you could really enjoy uh, this film and certainly the interview. So anyway, that's that. On for today. Like I said, I had about, I don't know, maybe nine or 10 questions and comments from fans. I got to make a confession though. And I'm taping this literally kind of on the fly. 
not going to pause it. I'm not editing it. You know, warts and warts and all. If I screw up a sentence, if I screw up a line, I screw up a word, it's going to be in this episode because I ain't doing no editing today. And on a couple of these questions, to be completely honest with you, I forgot to jot down the person's name who actually asked it. So in a couple of cases, I apologize to the people who sent these, but I don't have all the names and I'm certainly not going to restart this episode or, or have to go back here uh, live in real time just to try to dig out uh, a couple names or two. But anyway, let, let's get cooking. These are almost all Bills and Sabres. I think I got one, maybe two that are got nothing to do with uh, the Bills or Sabres, but that's about it. Um, the first one, and I don't even have a person's name because this happened on Thursday. I'm taping this, by the way, just in the full disclaimer. It's about 5-ish, about 5 p.m. on Thursday as I'm recording this episode. Of course, the news broke about Vaughn Miller late morning, early afternoon on Thursday. In fact, I was en route, literally on the thruway, headed towards Pet Boys, which, I, by the way, I had to go from, all the way from West Seneca to their North Buffalo location. Couldn't get the shit done in West Seneca. But anyway, I'm on the thruway. And my phone quite literally starts blowing up, man. I get five, six, seven text messages in a matter of 30 seconds all about the Vaughn Miller stuff. So anyway, lots of people, when I open this up, were asking questions about Vaughn Miller, thoughts about Vaughn Miller. This is all I'm going to say at this time. I've learned, and I guess it's a little bit of a, we'll make it a, you know, it'll be a long drag down one. It won't be like that, but we'll call this a, a, condensed version of story time with Patrick Moran right now, because I've learned through both reporting as somebody who's in the media at one time, and also just as a, a content creator, even as a fan, I've learned. And in some cases, the hard way, quite honestly, to, to not jump any guns when it comes to reporting something or reacting to something, you know, no matter the story, if it's not cut and dry when it comes to the facts, when they're allegations, allegations aren't always facts. Usually, you know, a lot of cases, they turn out to be accurate, but they're not always accurate. Not initially. There's um, details that will emerge from a report initially that might not be out right away. So I don't want to jump head first and they're reacting about the allegations and the arrest warrant as we take this anyway for Vaughn Miller. And here's what I mean specifically, and I'm just going to be honest with you and why my mindset is like this and uh, why I don't want to react too strongly. Well, two things, like I said, from a reporting aspect, and I'm very wary of who I read reports from when it comes to especially big news sensitive news, stuff where details are still emerging and not all out there. I'm really careful how I consume this because I've made this mistake myself. I used to have a blog, 14, I think this is going back now. Well, my, my blog was in 2009, somewhere around 2011, 2012. But anyway, uh, I put out a story more than a decade ago uh, about Sean Merriman and about being detained at a border. And I'm sure a lot of you, especially older Bills fans, will probably remember this. I was the one initially responsible for this. And it was irresponsible reporting on my part. And I'm not going to, you know, get into too many details from that. Basically, what I'm saying is checked with one source, didn't have a second source. And more importantly, in my haste to be able to beat anyone else to a report, 
I, I didn't word things properly. And it just, it made it really easy to pick apart and it just went very badly for me, deservedly so. And my point is, is that it's a, a really tough lesson that I had to learn the hard way. And I've learned from that. You know, it's one of the things that you hear about or, or know about in the media, maybe more than anything else is, is better to be right than to be first. Well, back in those days at that time, I was so determined to be first that I left out important, significant details that might have influenced the story of how people would receive it. Anyway, so between that, and then I go back to even, I think it was 2020, maybe a couple of years ago, maybe two years ago, when Ed Oliver got arrested in Texas, uh, suspicion of a DWI and um, also possession of an unlawful firearm. I think that's what the accusation was at the time. And I remember a lot of fans, and to be honest with you, myself included, to some extent at least, kind of jumped the gun and said, this guy can't, you know, how immature is he? He's never getting another contract, doesn't deserve to be in the NFL, yada, yada, blah, 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 blah. Turns out that he was not drunk. He literally didn't have a drop of alcohol in his system, pass a breathalyzer, and all the charges were dropped and erroneous. And again, a lot of people jumped the gun when it came to that. And I was, to some extent at least, one of them. So I'm not going to do that here, man. Not going to do that here. Obviously, uh, the details and the allegations that we know about as of this recording are deplorable and disgusting. Allegedly, Von Miller put his hands around this woman who was pregnant, his girlfriend, a pregnant woman, put his hands around her, stomped on her feet, um, smashed her laptop, stepped on it, or tried to try to destroy her laptop before she could leave. And he also has, which I didn't really pay attention to, to be honest with you, or know much about it, a history with uh, stuff like this. So the allegations are dead ass serious, man. And I think it's like a third degree felony warrant that he has out for his arrest right now. Um, the only thing I will say, obviously, if this story's true, if this even if parts of this story are true, Vaughn Miller could go to hell. You know, Vaughn Miller can go to hell. From a football standpoint, he's he's probably done with the Buffalo Bills. He's probably done with the NFL. If again, I don't know how what the process will be, how long the details will take to come out. But as they do, I I hope, especially if you know there are allegations that are true. I hope the Bills, I hope the NFL take immediate swift action against this man. Don't really have much more to add at this time when it comes to that specifically, the allegations and the ramifications at this time. I will say a lot of people, myself included, have been wondering what will happen in terms of Von Miller's contract with all these allegations and stuff like that because the Bills, before today anyway, Von Miller was on the bills on the book for the bills. Their salary cap figure like almost $24 million next year, whether he plays or not, um, whether he's a shell of him, former self or not. And the way his contract was structured, you know, the bills couldn't cut him. I mean, they, they could cut him, but it wouldn't have made a, an ounce of financial sense to cut him. They wouldn't have saved any money. Pretty much. They were going to be on the books for his salary cap figure next year, whether he played effectively or whether he played at all. So I know a lot of people are wondering, well, what happens to his contract? Jay Skursky from the Buffalo News, shortly before I started recording this, put out a uh, a series of tweets. And I don't have them in front of me, to be honest with you. But he alluded to the fact that should the NFL suspend 
Von Miller for some moral clause. It was kind of, con- you know, conduct detrimental to the team, the league, whatever. That at that point, the Bills could uh, terminate the guaranteed money. His money is no longer guaranteed. We'll find out in the coming days. I don't want to jump the gun in any of the aspects of Von Miller in terms of his contract. Although it sounds like they could get out of his contract and cut him if these allegations, you know, are turning out to be uh, true whatsoever. Again, my feelings are I'm going to hold judgment, and it's not because I'm afraid to say anything bad about a Buffalo Bills player. Lord knows that I'm not afraid to to bash a, a Buffalo Bill for something they do off the field or, or something they do on the field if it's unwarranted. But in this case, let's just wait a little bit longer. At least I'm going to choose to wait for, for more details to emerge, or at least the details that are out there for them maybe to be a little bit more uh, concrete. So that's the, like the long-term, you know, the ramifications legally and what might happen with his contract in terms of him on the field for 2023. And if we're only talking football, I've been saying the same thing that uh, I'll say it now. I said it last week. I said it the week before and the week before that the Buffalo Bills are a better football team on the field on Sundays right now at this point without Vaughn Miller anyway. Purely from a football-only standpoint, the Bills are better off without Von Miller. I've been saying it for weeks, man. He's not one of the best four defensive ends on this football roster right now. Hell, I'm not even sure he's one of the best five defensive ends on this roster right now. You have Greg Rizzo. You have uh, Leonard Floyd. You have AJ Vanessa. That's three right there. I think Shaq Lawson, at least right now, is better than him in hell, man. I think Kingsley Jonathan, quite frankly is better than the 2023 version we've seen of Vaughn Miller. 162 snaps he's played this season for the Bills. 113 of those have been pass rush snaps. Zero sacks. One hit. One quarterback hit on 113 pass rush snaps that he's played. Seven hurries. It has just been a brutal um, attempt coming back from the ACL for Vaughn Miller. And I get it to an extent you had, well, at least you had, a gazillion dollars invested in the dude. You want to try to get him right, but I've been seeing it for weeks now. I feel like doing that is coming at the expense of giving away reps to somebody who should be out there who deserves it more and who has a better chance to make a a positive thing. So I don't know, man. That's the last thing, though, I'm going to worry about right now. Like I said, um, this is it's not good. It's not good. We have very likely uh, my first instinct without judging. But my first instinct is to say that we have seen uh, the last of, of Vaughn Miller in a, in a Buffalo Bills uniform. I won't speak for the league, but I'd be surprised at this point if you ever see Vaughn Miller play snap for the Bills again. Uh, one more, and then I'll get to a quick break here. Casey wants to know, it's obvious you think Sean McDermott should get fired. Do you think he actually will? What are the percentages you put it at? All right, full disclosure here, folks. I wrote these down, like I said, when I was at Pet, Pet, um, Pet Boys. God, I had to say Pet three times. When I was at Bat Boys, I wrote down these questions that I got. And at that time, uh, in my notes, I simply have 17 to 20%. This was before Tim Graham from The Athletic put out something maybe around 4 p.m. here on, on Thursday afternoon, um, as he always does, man. He just crushes reports. Probably, not probably, he is the best reporter in this market when it comes to getting sourced information. And I don't even think it's close, quite frankly. But anyway, Tim put out a report saying that her sources 
talked to four sources. Two of those four said that there is a zero chance Sean McDermott is getting fired after this season. And also the other two sources pretty much said it would take something catastrophic to go wrong near the end of the year for Sean McDermott to get fired. So my 17 to 20% that I was going to initially answer the question with is down to maybe 2%, maybe 3%. I've been saying it for weeks. I mean, if you go listen to a lot of episodes here talking Buffalo, I don't want to keep beating a, you know, this dead horse, but I think Sean McDermott deserves to get fired. I think his game managing is just horrific. We've seen it many times this year. I don't need to relive all these games to you again. We've seen it last year. I think Sean McDermott is what, eight and nine now over the last two years in one score games. Of course, 13 seconds. You just keep going on and on. There is a lot of issues with Sean McDermott when it comes to being a game day head coach. We all know he's a great culture builder and uh, you know a, a character guy brought in a lot of good players to help turn this team from uh, you know ending the drought. I get all that, but I think the Bills could do better at head coach, but it doesn't really matter because I don't think it's going to happen. Um, he's had too much success, and, and that's what it comes down to. They've won. They've been in the playoffs four straight years. Even if they miss it this year, they've been in the playoffs four straight years. They've won at least 10 games four straight years. He just got an extension this year, signed through 2027. There ain't no way in hell Terry Bagula is going to fire him because of one bad season. You got lots of excuses built in from the injuries on the defense, which are legit, to uh, the offense looking better after Ken Dorsey got fired. There's just a lot. Vaughn Miller not being able to get back, can't control his health. There's just a lot of reasons that Sean McDermott, at the very least, is going to buy himself um, another year. So anyway, I'm going to take a real quick break because I uh, don't want to take up too much more of your time, and I'm going to fly through uh, some of these other questions on the other side. <laughs> We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. 
at hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, I am back here going over some questions and comments. And like I said, I'm calling this episode Fan Friday. Um, Frank, I don't have the last name, but I know the, the first name was Frank, says, how many of the Bills' final five games do you think they will win? I got two answers for you, Frank. It's either going to be five or it's going to be two. I think if the Bills beat Kansas City coming off the bye in two weeks or a week and a half, I think the Bills are going to win out. I think the Bills can win out, and I think they will win out if they beat Kansas City. But if they lose, I think they're only going to win two games. Obviously, they would already lose to Kansas City. I think they will lose to either Dallas or the Chargers. One of those two games they drop. Um, I think they're also going to lose the season finale at Miami because they'll probably be out of the playoffs at that point. Won't have anything to play for. Miami could be playing for potentially the number one seed in the conference. So I could see the Bills losing. If they lose to Kansas City, three for sure. I could see them being the Patriots and either one, Dallas or the Chargers, while losing the other one, losing to Miami, and losing to Kansas City. But again, just so we're clear, if they beat Kansas City next week, I absolutely think the Bills could win all five games and went out, finished with 11 wins, and 100% get in the playoffs with uh, 11 wins. Phil, if the Bills miss the playoffs, when you look back, rank the, or look back at the season, rank the games that will be the biggest reason. Um, number one to me is clear and easy, and that's Denver. They, first of all, they had no business, you know, even being a close game at the end. But you could talk about all the mistakes Sean McDermott made. You could talk about James Cook fumbling. You could talk about Gabe Davis, a ball going through his hands that led to an interception. You could talk about the offense struggling. You could talk about a million different things. But at the end of the day, Denver came out there, missed a field goal on the last play of the game, and the game was quite literally over. But then there was a flag. Too many men on the Bills. Leonard Floyd didn't get off the field. Still to this day, don't know if that's on him, if that's on Matthew Smiley, if it's on McDermott himself. But bottom line is, a penalty is the only reason why they got another kick, and then they made the field goal. So if you have that, that one penalty and that doesn't happen, the game was literally over and nothing had happened for 59 minutes and 55 seconds would have mattered. So I can't not have Denver number one. Number two, I'm just going to go back to this last game, Philly. There's no way they should have lost that game. They were up 10 early, 10 at the half. Quite, and you know, honestly, it should have been more than that. Um, the defense was just atrocious in the second half. The officiating was terrible. I hated the way Sean McDermott Coached at the end of the game, he coached not to lose. That game was one of those weeks where Philly was coming off a higher beating Kansas City. They had Dallas and San Francisco coming up on the schedule next. They were flat as can be, and they were just begging to get put out of their misery early in the game, or certainly by the third quarter, and the Bills didn't do it. They let them hang around long enough, and then Philly won. So that's number two. And then number three, 
I say New England. I mean, I don't care what the circumstances. You just got no business losing to freaking Mac Jones and the New England Patriots. And I know every team has one or two weeks during the season where they have one of those inexcusable losses. And for the Bills, above all else, this was one of them. And any of these three losses, by the way, are probably going to be the reason at the end of the day that they don't end up uh, making the playoffs. Flicker 10965 says, are you worried about Kincaid's production going back down when Dawson Knox gets back? Um, No. Dawson Knox might be back after the bye. Certainly early in the season, it appeared that way. The Bills wanted to use Dawson Knox um, as a weapon more offensively, and it kind of, Dalton Kincaid was just literally a, a safety valve early on. But I think we've seen over the last month, four to five weeks or so, what kind of player um, Dalton Kincaid can be. And, and that is a weapon. In fact, he might at this point already be the second best weapon that the Bills have right now on the offense. Maybe he might have a slight downtick of a production just because a couple balls might go to Dawson Knox that say aren't going to Quinn Morris right now, who's getting those Dawson Knox reps. But I, I, I think Joe Brady knows that Dalton Kincaid is uh, a very important this offense. So I don't expect too much to change here. Um, Cindy 104 something. What has been the most disappointing things to you personally about the Bills this season? Um, I got to tell you what, I loaded this up because I actually got two clips because I, I don't want to say the same things that I already said. I'd rather just play the clips for you. Number one is Sean McDermott, and we're not going to talk about any more about Sean McDermott. I've already told you uh, how I feel about that. Number two, and this isn't necessarily the biggest thing, but to me, it actually kind of is one of the bigger things. I really thought the Bills wide receiver additions of, of Trent Sherfield and Deontay Hardy were going to pay off much more uh, than they have. I had a an episode on Tuesday with PK from the Buffalo Sports Collective. We talked about that. So rather than rehash what I already said, let me just actually play that clip for you again uh, right now. Here it is. It's very disappointing to see Sherfield and Hardy, who I had high hopes for coming into the season, just been, you know, like you said, healthy scratch for Hardy and Sherfield. They've been useless. when he's on the field, he's running the wrong routes. Uh, offensive production wise, they've been clo as close to useless as you can get it. Yep. To me, that's a crazy thing because I said when you added Hardy and Sherfield, like so, I said it on the show. I thought to myself instantly. I told anyone who would listen. I said, worst case, and I mean worst case, Hardy and Sherfield are at least a modest upgrade from Isaiah McKenzie and Jake Kumaro. That was like my worst case scenario. As it turns out, and we're now 12 games into a season, how much is really going to change down the stretch here? I would tell you this. If you could give me Isaiah McKenzie and Jake Kummerow, is Jake Kummerow even play football anymore? I honestly don't even know. But if I could have Isaiah McKenzie and Jake Kummerow and I could jettison uh, Deontay Hardy and Trent Sherfield right now, I'd do it in a second. Isn't that nuts? All right, so that was what me and PK talking about with uh, Trent Sherfield, Deontay Hardy, highly, highly disappointing. And then the other one, I'm going to play the clip from this as well. This is just from a couple days ago after my film episode, actually, my film and uh, PFF grades analysis episode. And I was talking about the Bills defensive tackles outside of Ed Oliver, of course, after Daquan Jones went down. I thought that, at least on paper anyway, the depth, a strength of this football team would have been the depth of the defensive tackle position. You know, you got Daquan and Ed, and then you signed Puna Ford. You have Jordan Phillips, who's been around this rodeo 
several times. And then Tim, Tim Settle going into his second year with the Bills. I'm like, this is going to be a position of strength, big time. But no, but no. Daquan Jones goes down for the season. And Ed Oliver's still been, for the most part anyway, really, really good. But not getting anything from Phillips and Settle, especially Phillips. And uh, let me play that clip for you. Phillips, overall grade this season, 38.6. Let me put some context in that. There is 137 defensive tackles in the NFL that have played a minimum of 20% of their team snaps this year. Of those 137, Jordan Phillips' grade for the season is fifth worst, 133 out of 137. His tackling is atrocious. 25.4 for the season. Again, 137 eligible defensive tackles. He's 135. Third from the bottom of the entire NFL. 43.5 overall grade he had on Sunday. He had a 25.2 tackle grade, which again, is just abysmal. He had a stupid offsides penalty that gave Philly a first down. I think it was either third or fourth and two. or I, I can't remember what it was, but he made it. It was a, a stupid penalty, which is like clockwork for him. Should have had a personal foul penalty. He got away with one, which would have been right in line with him getting one of those pretty much every week too. The only thing Jordan Phillips is good at is when he's at home and rolling the fans up. Well, let me take that back. Let's be fair here. He's a splash player. He'll make a play now and then. But on any kind of consistent basis, when it comes to run defense, when it comes to tackling, when it comes to, to disappearing for long, long stretches, it's unbelievable how uh, inept Jordan Phillips has been for the Bills. And the sad thing is Tim Settle might actually be worse. Tim Settle... 37.5 grade for this game in Philly, PFF grade, worse on the entire football team. And you watch the film, he was pushed all over the place. Philadelphia's left guard, I've seen this at least three times. Um, Landon Dickerson, and he's a good guard, don't get me wrong. One-on-one, -on -one, no help from the setter. One-on-one, -on -one, he, he was pushing around Tim Settle like a sack of potatoes. It was one run, DeAndre Swift went right up the, uh, the B gap, and I'm telling you, Tim Settle probably got pushed three, four yards to, to the right side. There's another one. In fact, I clip. I'm going to, yeah. So, I, you know, I don't want to keep that clip going. Not really a need to anymore. Um, But you get the point there. Bill's defensive tackles, their depth there. Bill's receiving depth after Stefan Diggs and uh, I suppose Gabe Davis too. That's been really bad. And of course, uh, Sean McDermott. So that would be the the three things that have disappointed me the most um, about this team this year. Besides, obviously, their record, of course. Who do you think is the most underrated player on the Bills? You know, I'm going to be honest with you, man. I didn't think of him initially, but I got to give credit to uh, Tom Pucks, who I do a show with mostly here um, once a week. He made a comment to me after the Philly game. Christian Benford, they barely even threw at him. And I'm like, you know what? You're right, man. And what I did is uh, did a little dive into some of the numbers he's put up this year. And it's been really impressive. 34 targets, 22 receptions. He's only given up 268 yards receiving the season, um, just 50 yards um, after the catch. He's only allowed one touchdown reception against him. He's got five pass breakups. Um, his best force, and this is per PFF, by the way, best force in completion percentage, 21% on the team. Um, NFL quarterback rating against him is 98.7. There's nine guys in the secondary who have uh, worse um, percentages than that. I think he's a really solid player. 
with a good future. I think he's going to be locked in going forward now as that CB2. And of course, the good news about a guy like Christian Benford is he's under team control, not just for next year, but the year after that as well. So if you're looking for, uh, and by the way, the season's obviously not over. This can go terribly wrong for him over the last five weeks. But at this point, as things stand right now, I think Christian Benford is definitely one of the most uh, underrated players on this team. Um, Again, and I apologize here because I forgot to write down the people on some of these questions. Who are some of the key Bills free agents this offseason? I hate this question only because they haven't played the Chiefs yet. If the Bills go and lose to the Chiefs next week, then I would have loved this question. But I just feel like it's a little bit premature because when you're asking about stuff like this, that pretty much is you throwing you know, the, the, the white flag in on this 2023 season, but I am going to answer it for you anyway. Um, this is going to be, and I, and I, and I say, I like, I hate talking about it. I want to avoid talking about this now because folks, we've had a, a couple off seasons with the bills where they've been able to add and add and add, you know, whether it's splash players like Stefan Diggs or Vaughn Miller, or whether it's lots and lots and lots of depth style players like a Leonard Floyd, whether they work out or not, like a, like a Puna Ford, like a Connor McGovern, like a Deontay Hardy, you get the, the option to make a lot of moves like that. And I don't think that's going to be the case next year. The bills have a shitload of their own free agents that they need to make decisions on and worry about. And a lot of these guys are going to walk. And um, I think the 2024 Buffalo bills is going to look significantly different than what you've seen this year, for sure. Um, key free agents, Micah Hyde. And we'll talk about, the, you know, future episodes, hopefully not for a while. We'll talk about what their futures may or may not be with the team, kind of dive into what our thoughts are. But that's another episode for another time. But to answer your question, uh, the key free agents, Micah Hyde, Jaquan Jones, Leonard, F- Leonard Floyd, uh, AJ Epinesa, Gabe Davis. Those are like your top tier bills, free agents here at the end of the season, unrestricted free agents too. There's also tons of other ones too. Tim Settle, Jordan Phillips, Shaq Lawson, Dane Jackson, Taylor Rapp, Tyrell Dodson, uh, Trent Shurfield, Kyle Allen, so they'll probably be looking for another QB2 next year. David Edwards, who's been that six offensive lineman in that big tight end spot, uh, what Bobby Hart did last year, that's been pretty much David... Uh, David Edwards this year. So there's a lot of free agents of their own that they're going to have to make decisions on in this off season. In terms of cap hits. Now you didn't ask me about this, but I'm going to throw this out there right now since we're talking about changing the off season and some numbers throughout 2024 cap hits for context. When I tell you that the bills are not going to be able to, to be big spenders this off season, that's not really an option. It's just the way it's going to be. And here's a couple of big reasons why. Josh Allen, his cap hit goes from 18 million this year to 47 million next year. Uh, Trey White, 16.6 million cap hit next year. He could be uh, a cut candidate, actually. Stefan Diggs, cap this year, 14.8. Next year, 27.8. That's a $13 million jump. Vaughn Miller, if he's here. Personally, again, not to jump the gun, but I'm not going to sweat Vaughn Miller's financials too much right now. Let's just leave it at that. But anyway, 23.8 million next year is his current as things stand at this moment cap figure. 
which is at 7.9 this year. So goddamn, man, you're talking three, $16 million jump for him. Might not matter. Anyway, Dawson Knox, 14.4 million cap hit next year. And they're stuck with that, by the way. Um, Deion Dawkins, 16.6 up from 10.9. So that's over a 5 million jump. So there's going to be some big ass cap numbers for the bills, along with some big time free agent decisions to make potential cuts. Uh, I just jotted down a few of these real quick. Mitch Morse, Bills could save $3 million by cutting him. They would eat $8 million in uh, dead cap money if they cut him. That's pre-June 1st. After June 1st, they could save $6 million, and it would be $5.3 in dead, million, or dead money. I think Mitch Morris is a legitimate cut candidate um, between his age, between the cap, between Ryan Bates potentially being able to take over at center, uh, Trey White. And again, we'll deep dive into him more at another time, but they could save $10.4 million by cutting him while eating 6.3 dead cap space with a post June cut. Um, pre June 1st, $6.2 million saved, 10.3 dead. Um, so, look, that's in play. Between Rasul Douglas and Christian Benford, um, Trey White's in play. Dawson Knox, again, not an option. Even post June 1st, they would save less than $2 million and they would have to eat over $12 million in dead cap space. So Dawson Knox, like him or not, he ain't going nowhere next year. Um, Jordan Poyer, a prime cut candidate. $5.9 million the Bills could save next year. By cutting him, they would only have to eat $2 million in dead cap space. So you might be living in a, in a world here with the Buffalo Bills where Hyde and Poyer are both gone after this season. Uh, Deontay Hardy, I feel like that's a formality that he's going to get cut. The Bills could save over $4 million by cutting him. $1.6 in dead cap space. And then Saran Neal. I want special teams hunting to try to find a decent contract that they can unload. Saran Neal, you could save $2.8 million uh, by cutting him. So, yeah, hopefully we won't have to really think about it much yet. But another loss, two at the most, and it's definitely off-season mode time on Talking Buffalo and all content uh, creator platforms out there. All right, a couple more here. So one, I bet you couldn't come up with the three – I bet you could come up with three great non-Josh Allen things about the Bills. Yes, I can. Um, I had to write them down, though. Jarrell Bernard, him and a healthy Matt Milano, I think that makes for a great linebacker combination in 2024. I think Jarrell Bernard has been maybe my biggest, in a, in a pleasant way, Bills surprise. I didn't think anything of him before the season. I hated that he was a starter. He has proven me wrong. He's good and a healthy Matt Milano. We saw it through the first month of the season. Lethal linebacking combination. So I like that a lot. Um, I think Ed Oliver and Greg Rizzo are really strong anchors for the defensive line beyond this year. Who knows what's going to be behind them now between a lot of free agents behind the Vaughn Miller situation. I don't know, but I do like that Ed Oliver and Greg Rizzo are uh, core parts of that D-line for next year. And then, of course, look, Stefan Diggs. And I am going to assume he's going to be back. It's not impossible, like some people are telling you, to trade him. It would be very difficult, and the Bills would have to eat a lot of money. So I think shit would have to get really, really ugly, personally, to uh, to deal Stefan. So I'm going to assume he's going to be back here. And uh, look, he's so good. He's a top five receiver in the NFL, and he's so good that I, I feel like, as much as we talk about him, I feel like we don't even talk about him enough. When it comes to what he does on the field, um, he's taken for granted. And then the bonus one that I haven't even given you a bonus, man. Um, 
Dalton Kincaid, you know, I just mentioned him a few minutes ago. I think he's potentially got like that top five tight end in the wide, you know, amongst uh, the league ability here. He could be mentioned in that same breath as a Travis Kelsey and a, and a TJ Hawkinson or George Kittle as Travis Kelsey's career winds out. Of course, I'm not talking about trying, uh, I mean, a uh, prime Travis Kelsey. That's you know a little bit ridiculous there, but I like Kincaid a lot. So there's still, even if the bills miss the playoffs, it'll be a huge disappointment, but there's, there's lots of positives about this football team too. Um, hit me with your most unpopular bills opinion. I don't want to get beat up too much, but I'm going to say what I said last week. I'm not as high on Osiris Torrance as most. And I'm not a film guy. I don't appreciate offensive alignment and some of the nuances that they could bring to a team and some of the things they do compared to guys like Marino, Joe Marino and, and Eric Turner. And I know they'll beat my ass and, you know, deservedly so I'm sure for saying stuff like this, but I don't know. He's looked okay to me. I mean, he's only a rookie and I'm sure he'll improve some, but to me, he's just all right. And I'm not sure his ceiling is huge. Could be wrong, but I don't know. I just think of, you know, you could go get a guard in the third or fourth round who could play adequately well. And then, you know, Tank Dell's a guy for the, for the Houston Texans. Then it's not just one of those after the fact armchair quarterback the next day kind of deals. I remember lots and lots and lots of people, including those I had some I had on my show during draft season talking about how much they'd love to have Tank Dell on this team. So it's not like Tank Dell being good should be a shocker. But just imagine if the Bills had taken Tank Dell in the second round. You could be looking at Dalton Kincaid and Tank Dell right now as receivers for Josh Allen. And that just, man, that would have been fun. Anyway, Osiris Torrance doesn't stink. I just, I just think he's all right. I don't know how unpopular of an opinion that is. I think, like I said, I think the film guys, the really smart football people, I'll probably beat me up over that and, you know, maybe it's deserved. All right, that's it for the Bills questions here. Um, why wouldn't Pat Kane not choose the Sabres? Everything seemed like a perfect fit for him there. Uh, not sure about that. You know, in fact, going by some people, it sounds like the Bills, or not the Bills, I got the Bills in my mind. Sounds like the Sabres may have dodged the bullet. I got one more clip, it's about a minute and a half or so that I want to play for you. It was from about two weeks ago. I had Chad Diminisis with me in an episode taped live at Imperial, and we talked about Pat Kane. And I didn't know what Chad would think about signing him, if it was a good deal um, or not. But I want you to listen to this because Chad more or less says that he didn't think that signing Kane would be a good deal. Let me let, let me play that back, and you can hear what he had to say about it. If they were getting Patrick Kane from 2018. Mm -hmm. I think we're having a different conversation. Okay. This is a player who turns 35 years old on Sunday. This is a player who just had a surgery that only one player has come back. And Ed Jovanovsky played 37 games. And then that was it. Nick Backstrom just had the surgery, Washington Capitals. He had it, said he felt great, 100% played, wasn't the same player. Recently just said he's taking time away from the game to go back and because he, he doesn't feel right. Mm -hmm. It did major surgery. Um, and then on top of all of those things, age, curve, surgery, there is decline in his game. Mm -hmm. There is the, There was decline at the end in Chicago. I understand it was a bad team, but that's, it's, that's not just that. He went to New York, and they're just it, they didn't get what they hoped out of there. I mean, the, the obvious point 
as to how the league feels about him was the return that the Blackhawks got from the Rangers, which was almost next to nothing. True. And that's just, you know, and I, and I think in the right system, in the right areas, maybe he could be an effective player. But, I, I mean, yeah, on one hand, yeah, I understand this is this is Kevin Adams not sitting on his hands. If he does do this, which he's done in the past and not helped his team. So, yes, on one hand, I think it is doing that, which is good. But on the other hand, I don't know if this is the move that makes the team better. Right. And then you're going to use up all of your cap space remaining. When nobody else in the league has cap space besides you, so you don't have an advantage, you're going to use it. On this player that might not help you, might not even be able to play once he gets going, and then like now that you can just you could put him at LTIR, but then it's a whole thing and it's like it's cap and over time and it accumulates and yeah, so it's I'm I've made it very clear that I am not a fan of it. I think there is avenues to where it could slightly work where it's not that bad of it an idea, but I just overall I don't think this is what they need right now. All right, so that was Chad Dinamitis. He was not on board with the Sabres signing Patrick Kane. He thought that um team might be better off without doing it, and we're going to find out because Pat Kane, of course, signed with the, uh, the Detroit Red Wings. The only thing I'll say about the Sabres is this. Just they got to tread water now. For the next month or so, all I want to do is see this team tread water. They're not going to make the playoffs in December, but they could miss out on the playoffs in December. If they have a horrible month, they could fall behind, you know, eight to 10 points, a bunch of teams. They may not be able to get out of that hole. So right now, to me, it's just about treading water. And you get, hopefully by the end of this year, early in the 2024, in about a month or so, you're going to get Tage Thompson back 100%. You're going to get Jack Quinn back. I think that is going to be huge, huge, huge additions uh, to this lineup. Um, Zach Benson, who looks like he might stay for the whole season now. He'll improve. Um, you might get Rosane and, and Kulik back up, or Rosane's up now, Kulik's back in Rochester. But these guys, with some more games and time, they might get better. So I like the Sabres team. I do. Especially if UPL can keep playing great at net. But just tread water right now. Don't fall off. You're not going to get to, you know, they're not going to get ahead. Just tread water and, and don't fall off right now. But yeah, I'm, Pat K would have been a fun story. It would have been fun to do episodes at Imperial Pizza with some South Buffalo people going nuts at the, you know, mention of Pat Kane. But I, I think the team is just fine uh, not signing him. Someone else said, do you think the Sabres gave up on Levi too soon and sent him to the minors? May wreck his confidence. How about a one-word answer? No. No, I don't. Not at all. He needs games. UPL's hot. If you're serious right now, if you're, if you're Kevin Adams and your primary goal is to make the playoffs this season, then you got to ride the hot hand. And that's clearly UPL right now. Devin Levi's looked a little bit shaky and he's young. There should be nothing, zero to worry about when it comes to Devin Levi. Let him go to Rochester. Let him get the work. Let him get the reps. Let him get the game. Let him get some experience. Let him work on some things. And he said this to the media this week too. So I know he's on board with it. I don't think it's a controversy. I don't think there's any issue. I think it's a, a completely smart thing to do with Levi. Uh, down there or up there, I should say in Rochester. Anyway, last two questions here. Not not even sports. Do you like and somebody knows that out? And again, I don't have the names in front of me, so I apologize. But do you like CM Punk coming back to the WWE? Um, yeah, yes and no. I, I like it because I'm not gonna lie, it's interesting. It does make at least short term, anyway, certainly more interesting. Case in point, I was recording an episode with PK Monday night this past week. 
the, the Sabres. It was after they beat the Rangers, and we did a show live at 10 o'clock, and I knew CM Punk was going to be on Raw. First time on Raw in, what, 10 years? And I DVR'd in the living room. I went to the living room, and I set the DVR to, to record Raw. I haven't set that DVR to record Monday Night Raw. I don't even know the last time, but I did because I knew CM Punk was going to have a promo at the end. You want to see how it's going to play out if you're a wrestling fan. If you're not a wrestling fan, you don't give a shit, but I do. So I want to see how it's going to play out. I want to see what Fusey gets into. I want to see, you know, reports, how the locker room's dealing with it. I want to see who he works with in a program, stuff like that. Short term, sure. It's exciting. He's a huge name. He's a big draw. He's a ratings number. He's a ratings bonanza. There's no question about it. Long term, I would worry about it for WWE's standpoint. I mean, we've seen how things have played out with him in recent years. So sure, maybe long term, I don't know if it's a good fit, but certainly right now anyway, I'm not going to lie as a wrestling fan. I'm I'm pretty interested and excited about it, which is funny because I'm not really a CM Punk fan. I don't think he's all that great of a wrestler. And at some point I'll probably get bored, especially if he is a face. I think I'll get bored with hearing him talk about the voice of the voiceless and patronizing the fans. I personally would love to see a arrogant prick. I'm here for the money. You need me more than I need you. Complete CM Punk heel turn. That might get me more invested in his character. Wrestling wise, I really don't give a shit about him. And I'll, you know, I'll cool off on the thought of him being in WWE soon enough. But if he's a heel, that might be a, a different story. Last question Christmas movie recommendations. I haven't really got into it yet, but I'm about to. I will tell you, though, Wednesday night, late last, just last night, in fact, I watched, uh, it was on Netflix. It was called The Holiday Calendar, and it's not new. It's from, like, 2018. I don't know the people who are in the cast. Anyway, I, I like to watch these movies, and then I usually make funny Facebook statuses, kind of mocking the movies, because a lot of Christmas movies are, not counting the classics, of course, are, are pretty cheesy and stupid, like the Hallmark, the HD, HGTV-type Christmas movies. This one was actually pretty good, though. It's called The Holiday Calendar. It's about an advent calendar. The girl, ah, oh God, I, I can't remember her name. Amy Grant, maybe, or something. She's like in the Vampire Diaries. She's awesome. She, she's gorgeous. Great actress. I was invested in her. It was a good movie. So I, 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 in terms of new movies, or at least movies I haven't seen, I don't have any uh, recommendations yet. I think um, Scrooge is still my favorite Christmas movie of all time. Uh, the first Santa Claus with Tim Allen. That's really high up there. Uh, the Preacher's Wife with Denzel and Whitney. That is really high up there too. Uh, the Ref with Dennis Larry. I thought that was a uh, a great Christmas movie um, as well. So I don't know. Maybe in, in another week or so, I'll probably watch four or five newer ones or at least ones that I haven't seen. And uh, I'll have some thoughts on, on some of those. But anyway, all right. I've taken up way too much time here. I always do that shit, man. I always have a solo episode. I always say, I'm going to get you out of here quick. And then my freaking my lips just start blabbing my gums start yapping and i can't shut uh myself up anyway that's gonna do it for this episode like i said at the beginning man no bills football this week get out and enjoy christmas weekend man first weekend of december get some shopping done walk around uh do some fun stuff put on some christmas music put on a christmas movie enjoy it don't stress out because come next week the Bills season, quite literally, in my opinion anyway, is completely on the line. Do or die against the Kansas City Chiefs. But we'll be on that all of next week. Enjoy the weekend. Talk to you soon.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.